Aston Villa are heading into the international break on the back of another loss in the Premier League. Whether it was deserved or not is another story, though. I'm James Rushton. This is the Holtcast and Aston Villa podcast. I'm joined once again by Cole Petham at Talk Aston Villa and Daniel Raza at Raza Journal. Cole, how are you getting on? Um, I'm a little bit more calm today, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but definitely still rattled, and I probably will be for part the rest of the season after that. That is something that could, I wouldn't say cost us, um, something at the end of the season, but it's definitely something where we needed a point. And yeah, I'm rattled. How about yourself? Yeah, I think rattled the correct term. Again, we'll come on to it later. We'll have a whole segment of the podcast dedicated to speak about that particular incident. But no, uh, rattled, salty, angsty, emotional. There's a lot of words you can use to describe how Villa fans are feeling. And the passage of time hasn't really helped dull how, we, how I feel about this incident because... It was upsetting, to say the least. Aston Villa were robbed. There's no bones about it. They were robbed a point. They were robbed a goal. Henry Lansbury was robbed a goal. But again, we'll come on to that. Danny, how are you getting on, mate? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty similar. Like, I've I've calmed down, like, since uh, since the incident happened. But, uh, yeah, no, I think... I think it's hard to be positive. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be totally honest. I think it's hard to be positive after a weekend like that. I mean, obviously, it's it's... Not something where I feel as though the team haven't put any effort in or, or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I think ever since uh, I've been watching Villa, that has probably got to be one of the one of the most heartbreaking endings to to a match um, that I've ever experienced. But it is what it is. It's the Premier League. The international break is coming up, and we'll go again. Yeah, we'll definitely go again. Uh, we have got, I believe we come back to face West Ham. So we've got a while before that match and no preview this week. But we do have two games to recap. One of them coming midweek against Crew Alexandra in the Carabao Cup second round. Aston Villa beat Crew, the railway men, six goals to one. And uh, Cole, I don't think that's any reflection on Crew's performance. Crew played pretty well midweek. Yeah, um, I actually thought it was they did pretty well considering it, it just shows the gap between the quality of the teams and obviously the leagues. Um, they did hold on for, honestly, they were probably the better team, maybe for the first 15, 20 minutes, in my opinion. They did cause us some troubles. Um, and in typical Villa fashion this year, we just kind of wrote it out and uh, get on to our own, maybe switch into second gear, I should say, would make more sense. Um, yeah, I'll give you some stats here. So, da na na no, no, no. I'll do that. That'll be my stat thing now. Uh, if you look at all the stats, you're looking at 65% possession. We had 17 shots to their 17. So it was equal in that way as well. Um, corners, 6-4 to four for us. Fouls, 10-9 to nine for us. We basically dominated and everything except for obviously having the same shots. So um, if anything, it looks like we almost had a closer game than 6-1, but I think it just comes down to our clinicalness and... Uh, overall quality yeah Danny maybe it comes down to Jed Steer as well because he was pulling off the uh, highlight reel in terms of saves in goal Danny yeah Jed had a good game I think it was good to see him come back from obviously I think he he might have started the season hoping that he was going to be the be the number one guy so for him to come in and look so fresh against crew uh, was, was real important uh, I think like shot stopping I think again is something that has always been um, his I think his thing it's always been like the key part of his game uh, and I think he gave the sort of performance that convinced me that if uh, if Tom Heaton ever does get injured at any point during the season I'll, I'll be more than happy to see uh, Jed come in uh, and he did that in front of a, in front of the defence which um, had two new guys in it as well so 
it wasn't like he, he had an amazing amount of experience in front of him either. Well, Aston Villa turned the uh, the match over. Six goals they put past uh, Crew Alexandra. Esri Konza got his first. Connor Hurahan, Harahan, sorry, made a statement with two goals in the first half. Keenan Davis got off the mark with a, a goal in the 69th minute. Frederica Wilbert scored on the 76th from the, his weaker position, a uh, left-footed finish, well, right-footed finish from the left. And Jack Grealish got off the mark as well um, after coming on as a substitute. So six goals. Cole, what was the pick of them for you? Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to give it to uh, Gilbert. I'm going to say it. that was beautiful. Uh, cutting in the way he did <laughs> and just literally finessing it into the corner. I, I love that. I'd like to see that from a right back. Um, no, there was a lot there. But besides goals, I'm giving a special mention to Marvelous Nakamba for that move because that would turn anybody on. Let's be honest. That was awesome. What was yours, James? Uh, no, it's that Nakamba is not Meg. I was going to come on to that, but he absolutely done the uh, defender there plays it through the legs and it's not just a pointless move it was the only way he could get the ball forward because he was getting pressed by two players how are you going to get you know through to creating that attacking avenue you go through them easy well easy in theory and then Camber pulls it off and he he creates a chance for Villa with that marvellous bit of a uh, skill and I didn't even mean the pun there sorry but no it was an incredible bit of skill Danny did you see that highlight you must have seen it about six or seven times over mate it was uh, it was pretty incredible yeah, no, I did see that move. I think it was, uh, I think it was great to see Nakamba in action as well. Just uh, he's he's one of the players I've been really excited about seeing, but uh, perhaps hasn't come on because he's not really a sort of the, the sort of impact sub uh, that you that you'd probably be expecting. Um, yeah, no, I, I it was it was a good move. <laughs> yeah, it was a straight for the legs, create that avenue. Villa get another goal. And I think uh, Marvellous and Canberra probably made a little bit of a name for himself though. It was his debut and it wasn't just a skill. It was uh, his performance all round as a defensive midfielder. He was really linking stuff up and, uh, you know, making opportunities and making, making them well. Yeah, and I think just left left Harahan and, and Lansbury to feel so free as well to go forward. I think but that's one of the key things that we've said about that defensive midfield position is that you you need to be strong enough to to kind of take that load, so to speak, so that the midfielders in front can push forward and, and really feel like they've got the freedom to attack. And uh, you know that's that's something that, that that we saw a lot of from Howrahan and and Lansbury, who who each uh, had great games um, to their own name. So Cole, I guess this defensive midfield position, there's a, a few more questions about it. Oh, now. for sure. Um, I think for Nakamba, more than anything, this was just good for his fitness, confidence, and just generally embedding it into the, himself into the team. Um, so that's great for that. I don't think we'll probably see him, uh, maybe maybe against Arsenal we'll see him or something like that, where we're going to have to go more defensive. Um, but no, uh, definitely throws another... Uh, question into who's going to start because now we have players that are more than capable to cope there um but the one thing i want to discuss right now is how amazing was that hurrahan lansbury link up goal like oh that is ah that is better than butter on toast honestly yeah i think those goals they always look offside don't they when you see them go in against you because you you know, we can't see that line that's always on TV. We don't have the linesman's experience. So when it looks like someone's floating through, it looks like, how could they not be offside? And then you realise it's just that perfection of movement, playing that trap perfectly, Lansbury drifting in and scoring perfectly. And, you know, well, Harahan getting set up perfectly. It's, it's just, 
you love to see it, man. Danny, those two eights now. Villa have got four competing for those two positions. McGinn, Grealish, Lansbury and Harahan. There's, there's, obviously, there's got, not going to be any question marks over Grealish or McGinn being dropped, but Harahan and Lansbury performing, now knocking on the door. Well, of course it is. Look, you've got Connor Golds, Hurahan over here, and then you've got Lansbury, who in the last two games has made an impact. I mean, Lansbury should have got his first ever Premier League goal, but like, we're less on that. We'll speak about that one later on. Uh, but even in this game against against Crew Alexandra, uh, the, the the runs that he made, the, the the ability for him to find space um, and and get himself free, and the way that he set up Connor Hurahan um, for that goal were, were all very impressive. And I think Lansbury is also the for- the forgotten guy. You know, he's a forgotten guy last season because we, we barely saw him. Uh, but there were times that he came on and uh, even if he if he hadn't played in sort of like five or six games, he was still able to make an impact. He just kind of comes across as a very a very driven individual. And I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong and force his way into the team um, uh, at points this season when, when say, guys like John McGinn or, or Jack Grealish, perhaps, uh, you never know. Uh, but but down the line, maybe if they're going, uh, if, if they're going to be out of um, out of form, and also uh, it makes it difficult for guys like Macambo who are trying to break in. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, you you've got to remember that we that we lost a lot of midfielders as well, um, and that is forgetting also uh, Aaron Shibola who's who's in there somewhere. Yeah, and he well he's gone now. We we sold him to a Belgian team, uh, really off the radar. Um, really really quite yeah really quite news that you really you, you know you had to be paying attention to, to kind of the outside villa accountants who always kind of surfing around for these like youth transfers or these youth loans um Tishpola went to belgium um wow. so he got sold Mental. yeah that was his last last appearance cole yeah um the only thing i wanted to bring up about the whole Tishpola thing was i think there was a something came out that we've spent like including wages and everything like 20 million pounds on them like isn't that insane <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, good money when you can get it. And I think he linked it well with Villa's former assistant manager, Steve Clark, who uh, probably recommended his signing from Reading all those years ago. He followed Clark to Kilmarnock and he would perform well for that high flying Kilmarnock side. They were pushing, knocking on the door for European competition. And uh, in, in the early stages, they seem to be challenging oddly for the Scottish title, which is a massive rarity in Scotland, of course, with that old firm dominance. But no, uh, Tishbola moves to moves to Belgium, and there's no Steve Clark connection there, guys. He has moved to Belgium of his own free will, and with heavy pockets, maybe at um. So that's the last we've seen of him in a Villa shirt. Well, there you go. That is something that I did not know of until right this second, James. Breaking. Yeah, I don't blame anyone because I don't think many people would have paid attention at all. I think there's probably a few, you know, there'll be a few dads at the Villa ground while well, who were travelling away thinking, oh, bloody hell, Dishbola's still here. He's on the team sheet. That yeah, must yeah, be a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's no surprise there, mate. But no, um, Villa beat Crew. They progressed to the third round. Um, the look of the draw has given them the only Premier League versus Premier League tie in the third round as they go south to Brighton we're taking on our Premier League Brighton in the third round um so I'm not sure how we're all feeling about that draw I mean we've got the strongest possible opposition I feel and we've also got the worst possible draw because it's midweek going to Brighton what the train saying you know I think we'd have all preferred maybe a bit more of an adventure another lower league draw at least a closer um draw to home midweek Cole yeah that's true but you know what we're gonna win 5-1 it's gonna go 6-1-5-1-4 we're just gonna keep winning the scores are gonna come down until it gets to the final be 1-1 on penalties 
we're good to go. That's my <laughs> prediction. No, <laughs> um, we can only dream of that. But no, um, I would have liked to have seen another uh, another lower league side. It kind of gives us uh, something else to look at, uh, more interest throughout the season. I kind of hate when you come up against these uh, other Premier League sides in the cup match. It's obviously bound to happen at some point, but uh, it's nice to see something fresh and new for sure. Well, Danny, it's happened at the first possible opportunity. So it's a bit, you know, no offence to Brighton, but we're going to be playing them twice already this season. It would have been nice to use this cup to, to give us a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, 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 I had a feeling that we'd end up drawing a Premier League side. This is what usually happens to us. We don't, we don't, but to be fair, like we don't tend to, and I'd, I'd love to see the statistics about it. We don't, we don't tend to escape this sort of second round draw without getting like an Arsenal or a, Tottenham or Manchester City um, but yeah I think I think Brighton again Brighton away it's going to be a nice away day for a couple of people it's a party town so uh, I, can't, I don't see I don't see why we've got to why we've got to be too afraid of it um, I guess the only problem is and I think the only uh, the only thing that's slightly disappointing is when you get that kind of a draw you might not be able to give your um, your fringe players run out um, and I think that's the most disappointing. I have a question for Danny here, and it's very important. You said it's a party town. Obviously, I do not know this, mm. being from Canada. One, are you going? And two, are you going to party with your man crushes, the Brazilian boys? I I can't see myself going down to the Brighton game. It seems like a very long way to travel. Um, and <laughs> Brighton does have a reputation. Of being, uh, of being a party town, James. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's like, it's it's almost like the the, the place which has like, uh, I don't know. It's it's very popular amongst the LGBT community, isn't it? Um, yeah, and- I think that's uh, his- historically been a fact. And every seaside town in England, Cole, can be defined as a party town. It just depends what what type of party, really. Or it's a depressing party at Western Supermare or a lively one in Brighton. <laughs> Could go to Blackpool if you wanted to. Yeah, and step on some glass. Oh, I've even, I even yeah. heard that's a, kind of a not nice place. I was going to say something even worse, but um, so I know <laughs> that at least. But you learn something new every day. Um, I had to bring up the man crush thing. It's going to happen every episode this season, I'm determined. So you're welcome. Yeah, you're not getting away <laughs> Thanks, from it, Danny, are you? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. It's all good, though. Well, Villa progressing to the furthest point of the League Cup. Yeah, I think, when was the last time we got to the third round? It's very. It must have been a, when we was in the Premier League because we got battered by Luton in that first season. When we got, oh, we've been getting dispatched whilst we were in the Champions. <laughs> we haven't right? got past the second round um, for a long, long time. It feels like, but no, we're in the third round now. The the, the proper round, I guess, because it's when all the, all the Europe clubs playing in European competition come in. So it's the you know the first proper big round of it, and we're playing Brighton. Uh, but we're there because we beat Crew six one. So I'm going to have to take some match balls from you, um, Cole. Would you have the honour of going first? Yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, my earlier thought. I'm going to go with uh, Freddie Gilbert. I just love the man so much. I like really. Um, he just offers so much. Um, him coming in with a goal as well uh, adds nothing but to his confidence. And yeah, he's my man of the match. I'm gonna go with Keenan Davis because Ooh. he has been, he started off the season as a fourth choice striker. Um, he's moved ahead of Kodja because Kodja was injured. Then he moved ahead. Well, he moved ahead of Hogan as well because Hogan got sold off while uh, loaned to Stoke City. But there, he was there by default. He didn't feel like he'd earned it. It was just because of the the bodies. But no, he really has earned it. He's earned the Premier League appearances as well because of his because he's of his performances in training and because of his performances in matches like the, the one against Crew, 
bags of goal, looked strong, looked powerful, looked commanding as well. And that's exactly what we need from our, the, the striker that's going to be rotating with another commanding presence in Wesley. So Keenan Davies scores a goal against Crew, looks good whilst doing it. He gets my match ball for that uh, second round Carabao Cup fixture. Yours, Danny? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Connor Howrahan. It's just Connor goals Howrahan. It's just, again, he, he doesn't get the game time over everybody, but he still manages to stick up there with the goal statistics. And uh, I think just to see him, you know, still want to be Villa's key playmaker um, and, and pushing for that, uh, I think it's just a great attitude to see. And I think that um, his hard work was just exemplified again on the pitch. Um, so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it to, to Conor Harahan. His, his, his link up play with the forwards is, is so vital, especially when you've got a guy like Keenan Davis, who isn't going to run the game up front necessarily, um, who isn't necessarily a complete forward. Uh, and yeah, you, you know, the, the sort of support that he provided was, was, was on point. Well, I've got a feeling that Cole's going to bring up something about your nickname. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I actually, no, I actually wasn't. I was just going to say, did anyone get... I haven't checked the predictions. Did anyone get close? Because I definitely wasn't close. <laughs> I got kind of close. Someone said 4-1 and it may have been me. It was me. Or Dan, or Dan, it was Danny. So that was that was pretty close. I mean... <laughs> taking credit for my for my prediction of a thrashing there, James. Yes, uh, sorry. Um, but no, in terms of predictions though, if any of you guys do the Super 6 where you've got a kind of... You get two points for getting the score, well, the result correct, and five for getting the the actual scoreline correct. I was a two incidents away from getting, I think, full marks, so I'd have been in the money as well. Oof. And uh, I guess our incident later that we'll be talking about is why I'm not in the money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm extra pissed off. Extra oh pissed my off. lord! Yes, yes. <laughs> I was going to say this is why you shouldn't gamble, even if you, you know. Even if you're not paying for it, exactly. It's it's very frustrating. But no, Aston Villa played a Premier League match. Well, if you can call it a Premier League match, uh, yesterday against Crystal Palace. Uh, Palace dominated the proceedings. Villa had a few chances here and there, but they were stifled by a refereeing performance that left much to be desired, to say the least. Uh, Villa nil, Crystal Palace one, and Cole. I don't want you to speak about the referee or the yellow cards at the moment. I want to, I want to hear pure performances from the both of you. So, Cole, how did this match feel to you watching it? Okay. Um, just deep breaths, everyone. Breathe in and breathe out. There we go. Everyone do that. Listeners, everybody. We'll be a little bit more calmer here. Um, still didn't help. But anyways, um, looking at it, we didn't deserve three points. I I was talking to a Crystal Palace fan earlier today. We didn't deserve three points. um, And to be honest, we would have been lucky to get away with one with how we played. It was a terrible performance all around. I didn't think we offered really anything. Um, And the Trezeguet um, red card just kind of summed up the performance, really. Didn't really seem like there was a lot of energy, a lot of rhythm, a lot of cohesion. Um, Wesley was extremely isolated in so many instances, no matter what he did. Um, the wingers didn't really provide him any options moving forward. Midfield just got overran by palaces. And I knew that was going to happen with how much experience and quality they have in their midfield. Um, and honestly, there was that period of time probably in the second half where I, it was just cross after cross after cross. And I literally thought I was going to go mad and need a straight jacket. Cause it just literally felt like we're back in the championship and it was all crosses. That's how I felt. How do you feel, Danny? Do you know what, right? I'm going to say something possibly controversial. I don't think I care whether or not we deserve three points based on based on the performance over 90 minutes. 
because <gasps> no, 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 no <laughs> seriously, right? The, the thing is, right? It's it's the Premier League. You're away at Sellers Park, and Crystal Palace line up with this midfield of five, right? We talked about this before. I I, I think I specifically mentioned these three on the on the podcast last week. MacArthur, please tell me if I, if I, if I've if I've got any of these guys wrong. MacArthur, Kiate, Milivojevic. No, you bang on. That's exactly what you said. I was going to bring it up. Exactly right. Those three put up against your put up against any midfield, especially if you're trying to go creative, are going to stifle your creativity. But on that basis, Crystal Palace at that point perhaps um, are, are going to put sort of ten men behind the ball. Are going to be difficult to break down. They might barrage you. They might throw something at you, but it's not going to be something that you can't deal with. Our defense dealt with everything that they threw at them, apart from obviously later on in the game when we were down to 10 men. The, the fact of the matter is, Cole, uh, you know, say what you like about the play. Villa, Villa manufactured a 1-1, uh, a 1-1 draw. The, and the only reason it didn't come True. off was, was because of a referee. So, I mean... No, that's fair. Yeah, look, I, that, I just, I just want to say that. I just want to put that one out there. Anybody who's saying that Villa don't deserve a, didn't deserve a win, they certainly deserved a draw, um, especially with the way things were going. Yes, Villa didn't really get into the game. Second half, they came out there. They looked good. But honestly, I just didn't feel like Villa were allowed to play. Uh, immediately, sort of within the first 30 or 40 minutes, it just seemed as though Kevin Friend was not going to allow Villa to kind of get any sort of freedom. And I don't want to make any accusations or anything like that because that's not what this is. Uh, but decision by decision, it just seemed as though Villa were uh, Villa were struggling to kind of get anything going their way. Well, that's fair, like completely fair, because if you look at it, um, the only thing I would have changed going into that game was the formation of the midfield, because I, I think we knew the way Palace was going to come out and with how their midfield is set up, maybe having kind of two players sit back and uh, behind a cam might have worked. I don't know. I, this is just after the fact, me making assumptions. I almost wonder if something like that maybe would have kind of shut them down a little bit, bit more and kind of limit their opportunities in that area. It, it's all hype, like hypothetical now, but I always wonder if just making little changes like that. Um, if I had to say anything about this match, I was kind of disappointed in Hata. I thought, Although he was really isolated on the wings, especially, I just, I don't know. There's a lot of clearances in this match that um, I think there was at least two where he tried to kick it and it went right back into the box, our box. Um, and I don't know. It just looked like his nerves kind of got to him, wasn't full of confidence. And I almost wonder if El Ghazi would have been a better outlet yesterday. Yeah, it might have been an El Ghazi game. I mean, I, I think I'd, I'd like to know your guys' opinion on this. Do, do you think we know how to play that way? Do you think we know how to get into a dogfight? Is that something that that we're equipped for? I think so, because if you look at the second half performance when the chips were down, we arguably won. After their goal, we arguably won that segment of play because we managed to manufacture the situation in which we scored when we were down, when we were out, when we had a player. We had a player. We didn't have that player. We didn't have Trezeguet. We were a player down. We had to rejig everything. We had to bring Keenan Davis on. We were lopsided. And yet we managed to manufacture something. So I think we do know how to play that. But you get games like that when it is just, you can chuck the kitchen sink at it and it's not going to happen. And it was always going to be one of those games with the referee we had. That's that's the bottom line. And I think we'll come on to... We'll, we'll go through each of these yellow cards individually in a bit. But I think 
we didn't we didn't stand a chance. We made the best of what we had, and we should have come away with something. We should have, mm. but then again, the chance it was just all against us. And it was really frustrating to see. And yeah, uh, I think we leave a bit agonised. Actually, um, I think that's a real the real feeling is that we need to pick up points. We absolutely need to pick up points, and performances are good. Are, you know, a good a good enough um, when when you're uh, with hindsight. But the points aren't there, and we need those points. And yes, it's early, but Cole, I'm a, maybe I'm a bit wor- too worried, Cole. Yeah, I think so. I'm just gonna bring up the stats here uh, quickly, so maybe it kind of eases everyone's mind. And keep in mind, we were down to ten men for half an hour or just over. Uh, you're looking at possession; they're leading that 53% to 47. They had 22 shots to our 10, five on target to our two, 13 corners to our two. Uh, 15 fouls to our 16 like it's tight margins in some of those and completely different in others um i just had to bring that up especially because i think a lot of people look at those and say wow we got dominated you're down to 10 mm. and what do you really expect you're holding on for life and you know what if that ball didn't bounce off Grealish and back off iu it would have probably been a nil nil or maybe even a one nil to us if things went our way now it, it all depends I'm not, i don't want to speak about that uh, decision right now but ultimately if that decision went our way and didn't get called, everyone would be talking about how we stole a point, in my opinion. Or if they, that goal didn't go in and we scored, how we stole three points. So it, it's just a game of inches. And yeah, we move on, we move forward. And we'll talk about that little matter in a bit, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think my my main point then, I guess, is I don't want to see another performance like that next month. That cannot happen in September. We need to start picking up points. And if we're going to, get another performance like that and another one, I'm going to start to be a little worried because other teams are going to pick up points. Three teams are going to get relegated from this league. If we keep playing like that and if we keep getting into these situations where we are just not involved in the game at all and we can't even adapt. And yeah, this is before Trezeguet got sent off. This is the first half. We were getting hammered. We were pushed so far back into our own half and had had absolutely no intention of being able to to adapt to a game situation that had almost nothing to do with us. Then I'll get more, I'm going to get worried if we have two one or two more games like that in the next month. I'm going to get worried. But on the basis of on you know on the matter of things, it's one game. We, we can't get carried away. It went against us. We didn't really have anything going on. We, look, we, we we did what we could. Right, I think you you've got to remember that we're not going to have a seasoned team of solid premier league veterans that's just not us right this is a, this is a team made up made up of promising young players that can give a game a go right i think defensively we 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 did we did have to soak up a lot of pressure in that first half that is granted and that has been a problem so far we haven't been very quick out the quick out the barn door right so to speak but you know uh, I find it really, really hard to criticize the team, knowing that that second half really would have and probably would and really probably should have gone differently. Um, and I, I don't, I, I don't want to take, I don't want to see this from claret and blue tinted glasses. But you know, one of the things which is so important is momentum, and and, and games like this can can really sort of set the team on a on on a bit of a downer. Um, but like, I mean, can, can we really judge the team on on the second half? I mean, are we are we are we basically saying we're judging the entire performance on our first half? That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get out of here. Can we can we can we really base it off that? 
think you know with the swinging nature of these game states all we can judge is that first half because the second half you know we had a player down and it almost felt like it wasn't just the fact that we were missing a player because they got deservedly sent off it was the fact that the other team seemed to have so much weight in their decisions and fair enough crystal palace have had so much go against them look to swing around but it just it feels awful to be on the other mm. side of that and it should it shouldn't happen so i guess Yes, you're right. It, it maybe it is an overreaction to judge everything on the first half, but Cole, I feel that all we have to judge is the first half, especially we've had a second half went down. Oh no, I agree. Um, I just want to give massive credit to Dean Smith because I think after we went down to ten men, being, bringing Keenan Davis on, or on to support Wesley, I thought that was actually a great move. It actually brought us back into the game and ultimately gave us an opportunity to tie things up and. That whole thing happened, but uh, no, I thought that was a great moment um, to judge, to go back and really say, to judge the first half. It's a little harsh, but you just kind of felt even after the red card, probably I want to say maybe the first 60 minutes of the game, I just thought there was a lot of times in the game where we just looked really sluggish and there just wasn't things coming off. And it was kind of weird to think we almost looked better with 10 men. It, was, it just, I have to put that out there. You know, you might be onto something in terms of like, you know, maybe having a different formation because I think what ended up happening when when Trezor Gates got sent off was that Villa ended up playing with four midfields, four midfielders because of that. They had to get a little bit deeper um, and, and obviously work from there. I think you know having the three midfielders almost have to do all that defensive work against Crystal Palace was was never going to work. Palace would have been so happy to just kind of um, chill there, and I think yeah, we needed a lucky break. I think that was that was what we were kind of trying to kind of go off we weren't able to do what we were able to to do against Everton um which was obviously play through balls uh, ahead of that defense and I, I am I am slightly worried that we might not be able to break down these kinds of teams um and I think that I think Trezeguet for me right now is a big red flag I'm really not sure about him at the moment even though he has shown signs of promise Again, I'm sick of saying it now. We'll, we will come on to that. We have so much. This is ba- going to be a backloaded podcast, I think, because all the events kind of happen later on. Um, but again, about Dean Smith, I've, I'm slightly dis- disappointed in his decision to kind of go for it because I do think naturally that if we had carried on as we were, we were bending in a defence, but we weren't breaking. And I think that is that is what we've shown all season is we can take we can absorb pressure and we have the defence to take it. Things do happen in these games. And yes, we went we went lopsided. But when we started pushing for it, we got ripped apart on that counter. Jordan Ayew was just a one-man army, absolutely running to the side. Um, getting the look of the bounce, of course, against Mings and Grealish. But, you know, you do make your own look here. And he did score. And I think that is a result maybe of the decision to to go for it. And yes, again, we that did pay off in the end, right? That did pay off because we kept pushing forward. We got the look of the draw and we made the score, the scoring chance. But I feel like if we settled, if we made the decision and Dean Smith realised we have to settle for a point, I think there is a chance we could have left with it, Cole. Yeah, no, I agree. The only thing I wanted to really add on to that essentially was I kind of actually liked the 4-3-2 formation we were playing. Um, I felt like maybe if we left things the way they were and didn't make those changes, honestly, I thought, I don't know, maybe it would actually have gotten worse. Um, mm. it, it just kind of looked hot to look awkward out there after the after Trezeguet got sent off. So I, I don't know. I feel like it could have been honestly, it could have been two or three nil if we would have left those players on. In my opinion, I thought that in those in those I guess uh, 
uh, times of the game, you have to make a decision, either stick or kind of twist. And we obviously twisted and went for it because you're going to have some people and part of the Villa camp saying, oh, just set up shop. Um, this might be a loss, but look at goal difference. And others are going to say it's so early on, go for it. So we're not going to please everyone. So in my opinion, I'm happy we went for it. It's at least showing some ambition because if you would have told me that would have happened under Steve Bruce, Paul Lambert, anyone else, you would have been probably kidding yourselves. So I kind of have to agree with Cole here. I think I think Villa if Villa carry on that way and 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 tell themselves to to kind of defend. Um, I think Palace end up breaking that pressure anyway. I mean, look, you said it yourself, James. It was a bit of a lucky fall that for for IU. They defended well either way and. It did just end up being a case that look, oh well, Villa do have to score a goal here. Um, but look, everything was just sort. Of, <laughs> I, I hate to, I hate to go on to it again. Everything was just kind of skewed against Villa. The only way they were ever getting anything out of this game was um, was to take it by the scruff of the neck and try and grab something. I also think you know part of it was you know taking off some t- taking off tired legs, making sure that um, we had energetic players on there who were able to to kind of do something with the ball. Um, and, and keep the engine running, so to speak. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think that sort of such shutting up shop is something that we would have been able to do, and I don't think it's a it's a major strong point um, in terms of the team. Whilst we are obviously good defensively, I honestly think Dean Smith doesn't know doesn't know or want to do it because that's not the way he wants to play. And you know, absolute kudos to the man if he wants to go for it, he has to go for it, and he has. To, Yes, you know, he has to live and die by the rules he sets for his football teams. So, you know, fantastic for that. One standout then on this Crystal Palace team has to be Jordan Ayew. He was a real deep striker, almost like our, our Wesley is. He, he plays deeper. He was really deep for Palace. And he absolutely run the show. And we didn't really see that in Villa because we were a down and out. He was too often stuck on the wings. Did score a fantastic goal here and there against Newcastle. Then we got relegated and he clearly didn't want to be part of the team. Fair enough, really. He's a Premier League player. But no, he looked really good in that deeper striker role against us. Um, every single chance seems to you know, come through his work. It's the striker we wish we had a few seasons ago. And you know what? If we actually would have played him properly, who knows what would have happened? Um I can't give enough kudos to him, but if you look on the other side, when Benteke came on, <laughs> it's, it's he is just a skeleton of what it used to be. It's honestly sad. I seriously feel for the for the guy because I when I was talking to Jay from the Eagles beak, he was even saying like people he was like warming up and they're laughing at him like from warming up like form up shots because they're not even going on target. Like how short of confidence can you be? Um, but no, back to the AU thing. Um, Happy for him, annoyed that he scored against us, but let's be real, guys. It was always coming. One of his shots really took my eye, and that was when he looped back around and he was so off balance, and he still managed to curl that shot so close to that far post. And I thought, if he hit that perfect, there's no chance anyone in the world will be saving that. Absolutely. I was really scared of that. But no, he does get the goal in the end, and it was it was always coming from him. He looks so dangerous. He did look dangerous, but I think we looked scared as well, though, James. Honestly, I think I think there, there, there was times, obviously, where, where well, I was dangerous. I think the, the good thing about him was he he stretched the play. He looked like he, 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 he sort of never ran out of energy. He was happy to do. I think this is this is the I think this is a good thing, right? He was able to do what Zaha was doing. He wanted to do what Zaha was doing, and I think uh, he he almost looked as dangerous as Zaha, um, who, by the way, I didn't think had a particularly great game. Uh, and I think uh, that my only my only issue is that I think as soon as Trezeguet went off, 
it seemed as though that defensive solidity was sort of maybe torn about, torn apart by nervousness. And I think Ayu is exactly the kind of striker you don't want to play against when you're nervous. You know, the high energy sort of striker that's just going to hustle and bustle his way through you and just try and make your make your life a misery. It really tries to get involved in the players a complete forward, are you? I think exactly the type of striker you don't want to be playing against at that time. Well, as Cole said, there was a stark difference when Christian Benteke came on. And it's not like he played badly. It's just that Crystal Palace seemed to... They had so little threat without Ayu. And it was a shame because Benteke, we know, is what that role should be, that complete striker who does everything themselves and nobody can stop them. And I watched this game without the commentary because I've done that the last two games now because one, the, the Crew Alexandra one, I couldn't understand the commentary language and the <laughs> the Crystal Palace one, I couldn't I couldn't be bothered with it because the commentary on, uh, I think it was DAZN, was, it was appalling. It was, it was awful. So I didn't want any part of it. So I refused to watch it with the commentary. And the match experience was much better for me because I was able to come to my own opinions and notice stuff like uh, Christian Benteke's eyes when he was coming on. Like <laughs> they were wide, they were wide open. Christian Benteke, the Villa player, had these focused, you know, he he looked almost asleep. Like his eyes were darting on things. He was focused. The Christian Benteke coming on for uh, Crystal Palace, his eyes are wide open like a car's going to run over him. Cole? Oh, absolutely. Um, also, one thing I wanted to bring up when I spoke with Jay midweek, go check that out if you want to listen to us have some optimism before all the crappy stuff that happened to us. Um, but uh, he literally said that when they have Ayu on, they play to his head. And when they have Benteke on, they play to his feet. You think you'd want that back uh, the other way around, but they have it backwards. Um, so that's even coming from a Palace fan. So you kind of look at the setup for them as well. Um, I want it instant, yes or no, that's it. No explanations from either of you guys. If it came in January, um, and no matter where we are, and would you take Benteke back on loan for the rest of the season? No. No? Okay. James? Yes. You would. Okay, Ooh. I actually want to know why. <laughs> okay, Christian Benteke is probably the best striker bar Tammy Abraham. Well, he's the best permanent striker we've had at the club in, well, for as long as I can remember, going back to Martin O'Neill. Since I've been properly following the club week in, week out, watching every match, reading everything about him, Christian Benteke has been the only thing worth noticing up front for us. Uh, Jonathan Codger had a good season. Tammy Abraham had a good season last season. Apart from that, it's been all... Christian Benteke and the memories he's given to this club are fantastic and there was a brilliant player in there Palace don't use him well Palace can't get him involved in games he's not motivated at Crystal Palace for whatever reason but bring him to Aston Villa a club that loves him a massive you can get him in front of the whole end screaming his name the guy's beloved here bring him back for six months six months he doesn't need to he doesn't need he won't be the starter he might not even be the second choice, but there's a guy there that Aston Villa can re-optimise and use. But doesn't that ruin his legacy if it doesn't go right? I don't know. Those memories don't go. I mean, he comes in, the, the context is completely different. He'll come in to a team that desperately needs him, that, pro- that may desperately need him, sorry. If it doesn't work, we, we gambled, right? We tried, we tried. There's no, there's not much of a loan option we could use apart from maybe Christian Benteke. He's probably the only person we could bring in uh, fairly cheap and on a loan. Yeah, but how is this any different to Steve Bruce bringing Andy Carroll back to Newcastle? Because Christian Benteke is, is not Andy Carroll. Because he wants to have the beers with Andy Carroll and party up the tune. That's what he'll say. Um, yeah. <laughs> he has not had any real form for four years. Christian Benteke. I, I mean, I, I know I realize it's been at Liverpool and it's been at Crystal Palace, 
but it's been a long time since we've seen Christian Benteke as as he should be. And I, I just think that when you see him play now, his fitness just isn't isn't quite there. Could he run around in this in this Dean Smith system nowadays? Is he gonna have that same sort of hunger that he did when he was younger? That I'm not sure about. And I'm not I'm not I'm not having a go at his attitude now, but there's a certain thing where once a striker stops scoring goals, um it's very, very rare that you ever see them come back from it after sort of a few years out of that of of that state. I guess I'm just a stickler for a romantic narrative, Cole. What about you, Cole? I wouldn't. Just uh, two things. I think it would dent his legacy a little bit because football fans, I've said it a million times, are fickle, and they're going to look at that as part of the overall legacy of him. And if anything, it almost makes him look like he's a decrepit old man. Use that face app, and that basically explain that whole uh, loan spell if that ever came true. And the other issue is we don't cross it. And I think Benteke, we'd all agree that he's a menace in the box and you need the ball in the air for him to be truly effective because wherever that goes, he usually gets to it. And if it comes down, he's putting in the back of the net. Um, We have seen goals from in the past where it was defeat and he did get some great goals there, but it was those times when it was in the air, it was physical um, and he did make plays from literally nothing. And I just don't think our wingers want to do that. And Dean Smith's style of play really would suit him in that fact. We have to move on, guys, to the main the main event, shall we say, <laughs> the refereeing performance. We have got yellow cards to speak about. We've got red cards to speak about. We've got disallowed goals to speak about, all thanks to Kevin Friend. Let's go through these yellow cards, and I want to know your opinions on them, deserved or not. <laughs> 17th minute, Aston Villa earn their first yellow card after Douglas Louise kind of tangles with Kiate in midfield. He earns a yellow card for that. If you remember it, do you think he deserved it or not? I thought it was soft. I'll leave it at that. I thought a lot of things were soft in this game, so I'm just going to give quick answers for that. It was pretty soft. Yeah, soft. I agree, but I also think we were perhaps, knowing now knowing with the benefit of hindsight, Kevin Friend's kind of mentality going into this game, I thought Douglas Louise avoided a penalty, um, giving away a penalty when he kind of headed IU's gut. Oh, I I could not disagree more. He literally looked like he got shot. Like it was that was a little. I'm sorry, James, but no, 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 no way. I, compl- I agree with you. What I was saying is now I know Kevin Friend's mentality towards Villa. I would thought that would be something that someone like himself would give a a penalty for. But oh, gotcha. saying that, when Ayu went down late, look maybe looking for a penalty. Why didn't he book? you or award the penalty true i don't know it's just he's one of these referees and we've seen it with a few of them it seems like they just referee certain players in a certain manager look or manner not manager wow in good english for my part <laughs> but uh no if you look at zaha his kind of reputation for diving was pretty high last season even the season before and it's kind of waned a little bit because you haven't seen as much so it seemed like he was favored more a little bit more than others. And it, I'm not going to say Kevin Friend was out to get Villa, but it just seems like he was looking at particular players and refereeing the whole game based upon that. Um, it, it's fair enough if you know one player is going to try to get away with things more than others, but you can't referee a whole team like that. I I don't know. I think the Premier League has to look at something here. His name is no longer Kevin, Kevin Friend. It is Kevin Unfriend, in my opinion. Kevin, so. Yeah, Kevin Blocked. 
Kevin, Kevin Block, block, block unblock, mute, soft block. Oh, I can never, no, never talk block. to me again. <laughs> you, you can make the argument that, you know, he's just looking at everything. He's just looking at every foul um, for what it is. I mean, if if you, if you like, I, I, I put out a statistic. I think that by the time Trezeguet got sent off, uh, we'd both, both sides had made 11 fouls each. Uh, Villa had had four cards plus that second yellow. So five yellow so cards. Four, yeah. And wow. then um, basically Milivojevic had, had that yellow card. But then the only argument against that is that, well, look, Milivojevic, I think it took him like five fouls or something like that, three or f- maybe three or four fouls before he got before he got a booking. There was never any sort of warning. You want to see consistency applied. So I think that the next foul is Neil Taylor's, and this was a very funny one because uh, Neil Taylor clatters Zaha. And he's a, it's a it's a yellow like. That's a definition of a yellow card tackle. Neil Taylor walks to Kevin Friend and complains that it was only his first challenge, so thus he shouldn't have a, a yellow card, which I thought was quite funny. But no, I thought this was that was a yellow. That's fair. Like that's actually like because if you look at it too, this happened against Bournemouth too with Billings. Like he got his yellow and then had like a million fouls afterwards, and then obviously got taken off at halftime. But like if you're on a yellow, like you don't get five more challenge like fouls because oh they were. They were smaller, like, ba- like ah, I don't know. It just seems like every referee has a different opinion, and fair enough. But like, oh my gosh, stay consistent I, though. Literally, and like, what is the? Oh, we're gonna get into this soon, but what is the point of VAR? Seriously, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was screaming at the TV yesterday. From from what I've seen, and from what I've seen so far this season, please correct me if I'm wrong. This system, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not calling anybody corrupt. I'm not. I'm not making any accusations. Only seems to come out on big televised games. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. No, definitely Does it not. I was watching the Arsenal Spurs game earlier, and there is a few on there, and you'd think those were yellows, and it just wasn't even called because of the event. It's just funny. I don't. It's honestly refereeing worldwide for football has to do something and have a hard look at itself because it's absolutely unreal. I don't know if it's they have to change VAR to get more involved but then you have people saying it slows down the game too much but then you need the natural flow of the it, no one's going to be happy like you can't get everyone happy so i guess it is what it is do you only bring it out to to back up your referee mate who's, who's on the pitch like is that is that the thing or because i don't understand what they're all doing sort of chilling in that room if they're not going to bring it out when things like this happen call them out like if a referee makes a mistake they if they're, they're able to call up players out on the field for fouls or for whatever or for diving like obviously Grealish got a yellow for um, which we'll probably get onto a bit um, like if they can call out players they should be able to be called out from their colleagues like if you're wrong you're wrong like I, I, I it just boggles my mind so Neil Taylor very funny because I don't know why he decided to go to the referee and complain that it was only his first challenge. So why has he got a yellow card? Because he was a yellow card. Frederick Wilbert, Villa's right back, was booked five minutes later uh, from Neil Taylor in probably the second worst yellow card. And I mean worse in the in the terms that why the hell has he, has he given a yellow card for this challenge? Because Frederick Wilbert went in on Jeffrey Slup, never touched him and Slup dived. He didn't he look I say dive, he probably wasn't looking for the foul. He jumped to avoid contact. I don't know if he turned around to the referee and went, give me a free kick, but he jumped out of the way and Will Bear was booked. And Will Bear looked shocked, like absolutely stunned. 
that he'd picked up a yellow card for this. And this is a yellow card that leads to, I don't know, I think it leads to a scoring chance as well. Yeah, no, that's that's actually exactly spot on. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up about that too is if you look at Kevin Friend, I don't even, it's almost like he wasn't paying attention. Like with some of these yellow cards, it was like, oh, there's a foul there, but then, oh, there's two more fouls there, but no, uh, you know what? Those will be fine. I don't know. It's just, I'm going on with the same thing here. He doesn't need to yeah, add it up, no. does he? Like, that's the thing. If it's a yellow card, give yeah. the yellow card. If it's not, then that's it's not. Fair. It's like you don't have to keep a tally. I don't want to, I don't, I don't think it's right to accuse referees of favoritism, but why are we at a point where midway, I mean, why, you know, midway through the game, we're thinking, right, this referee is not letting us have anything. Why does it come to that point? It shouldn't, right? I mean, if everything's justifiable, then fair enough. But, like, I have to say, the officiating was just, it was just awful. And I I say that not because, you know, it's happening to Villa or whatever, but because... There never, se- there didn't seem to be any sort of consistency as to what was deemed a yellow card challenge and, and what wasn't. If you asked Kevin Friend to sit down and explain every single yellow card throughout that game, he'd book you. <laughs> he'd book you. But I also, I also, I also wonder, you know, whether whether he'd be able to do that for you. Yeah, that's explain the differences, basically. Yeah, um, tough. But I, I think the, the other thing is like uh, tactically. Right. Let's let's you know. Let's let's get into some football as well. Like tactically, right? What does that do to you? Once um, once everybody's getting booked, like you get to the point where you're playing against a Premier League side like Crystal Palace and you're afraid to put a challenge in. That should never be happening. And I mean, if if that's if that's the case, like you, you're going to get walked over. We were stunted, not because of our tactics as well. It was the fact that we had two wing players in Will Bear and Trezeguet. And Will Bear obviously being that fullback, the defensive winger. They were booked, they were stunted. And I mean, that didn't really matter to Trezeguet, who just did what he wanted anyway. But Will Bear probably had to avoid a few challenges because he was on a booking and that booking was wrong. Like his booking should not have happened. And it was probably the most obvious booking that shouldn't have happened because there was no benefit. There's no room for doubt. It's not like the Grealish one where you could perhaps force the argument that he did dive, you could force that argument if you really wanted to. And you, even though it wouldn't be valid, you could definitely just crowbar it in. Will Bear didn't even touch the guy and he's been booked. So we were stunted there. Maybe Dean Smith should have took a player off at halftime. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. I was thinking Hata or Trezeguet would have, should have came off and El Ghazi should have came on. I tweeted that somewhere. Uh, maybe I deleted it after because I felt dumb. But <laughs> um, no, I just thought... It was one of those instances where something needed to be changed at half, and um, maybe we're not in this situation right now if that happened, I guess. It's it's a crazy situation to be in because it's so frustrating. It's so annoying to speak about. But look, the other, the other week against Bournemouth, Eddie Howe took Philip Billing off because Billing was definitely going to get sent off if he stayed on and carried on the man, in the manner he was performing. Maybe he should have been sent off before halftime, but no, at halftime he was taken off. I do think Dean Smith should have taken one of our booked players off. And I'm looking at Will Bear, Trezor Gay, Douglas Louise, candidates for red cards, absolute standout candidates for red cards. And one of them did get sent off. And that was that was Trezor Gay. And honestly, I feel that, again, with hindsight, Kevin Friend probably could have sent him off for that first challenge. Because that was a high boot. You can't really get away with that. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, guess. I, I just. Ugh. I guess we have to speak about Trezeguet second then, because this was dumb. If you're on a yellow card, you cannot, under any circumstances, commit your body to a tackle like that. It was, but I, I mean, do you, do you not think that uh, who was it the that that was Zaha. Zaha? Do you not think that Zaha knew exactly what he was doing there? Yeah, but that's like Grealish as well. Grealish knows what he's doing. He puts his body in between him, the defender, and the ball. And you get fouled, but Trezeguet went in in an unacceptable manner. And the guy didn't even know he was going to get booked. He picked up Trezeguet, walked back on the pitch. No, he picked up Zaha, walked back on the pitch. And Zaha was just looking at the referee like, he's right. gone, isn't he? But like, he's gone. Let's put this into the context of, of the rest of the bookings in this game. That was no worse than any of the other Palace players standing their ground every time Grealish tried to dribble through them. I, I don't. This think, is true. I mean, Trezeguet, this is true. Trezeguet was not... He had no intent there. Of of trying to trip over Zaha, he was just a step slower, and I mean, I it it was in general. I would have probably called that a yellow card in the context of the game. Consistency, mate. Why is that a yellow card and and not what Milivojevic was doing for the whole game? The fairest thing to say here, after reading some of the rules, I was looking for the simulation rule directly because of the Grealish booking. Um, Kevin Friend was within his rights to send Trezeguet off, but he wasn't applying that consistency across the across the pitch. You know, he wasn't applying that to Palace players because the the rules say if a yellow if a caution book if a caution challenge happens after directly after a caution challenge, no matter how quick it happens, send the player off. There is no benefit of the doubt. You if it, if they do something that they can earn a yellow card for five seconds later, they do it again. They have to go. There is no benefit of the doubt. You cannot be lenient. If they have a booking and they commit another challenge that earns a booking, no matter how quick it happens, there is no benefit of the doubt they go. So Trezeguet was right to be sent off because if you earn a booking for that challenge in any circumstance, even if he's on a yellow already, he has to go because he earned another booking. That's basically how it works. That wasn't applied consistently. Trezeguet should have walked. Absolutely agree with it. There was, I don't know why he did what he did because he was already in a booking. If he does that and he earns a booking, he's right, he's gone. Again, the consistency isn't there. It was poor from him, though. I mean, I think I, th- I think he had a poor game in general. I think recently I'm getting a little bit worried about Trezeguet because he's t- there's talent there. There's definitely talent there, but I-, I I'm not quite sure about his mentality. To be honest, he seems to he seems to fluff fluff every chance that he gets when he's uh, when he's straight through on goal. I'm just wondering whether there's something not right there. Whether I think I think I think eventually if he gets if he gets a goal if he gets going I think he's going to be a confidence player but um, he's got a touch of the Ben Arthur about him I reckon I don't know yeah um, I guess if we're going to look at this positively and I guess I can shine some light um, in a manner because I guess we're being really negative right now but we don't really have any other option uh, compared to based based on what happened. Um, but this is El Ghazi's chance to get a starting spot back. I guess we have to look at it that way too. So um, in that aspect, I'm kind of actually excited to see what happens because maybe it gives Trezeguet an opportunity to maybe look at himself, um, see how he's playing because it's been very kind of wishy-washy throughout each game. Um, and it also gives Hata a chance uh, to play more regularly So because we don't really have that many winger options. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Would you believe it? There were 40 minutes between Villa's last red, red card and the, uh, well, 
the red card and the last yellow card of the match. Um, Trezeguet Gay sent off in the 54th minute. So Villa had to play 40 minutes with 10 players and they, they did so well, well enough, I guess. Um, Jack Grealish was booked in the 95th minute. Um, as he was through on goal, Zaha gave him a little tap, um, knocked him off balance. He collided with Gary Cahill, um, but managed to pass through to Henry Lansbury, who scored as Lansbury kicked the ball. And as it was sailing past the goalkeeper to cross the line, Kevin Friend blew the whistle for a foul. Um, if you want to hear the official statement, um, the referee considered that Jack Grealish committed an act of simulation in the penalty area. Thus, Jack Grealish dived. Um, blew his whistle to stop the game before the ball went into the goal. Under protocol, the VAR is allowed to review this situation, the penalty situation, because of Grealish's supposed dive. Um, however, it judged that no clear or obvious error had occurred and the on-field decision of simulation remained. So VAR was consulted because it is, and because it was consulted during the, the act of a penalty, um, there was obviously no penalty going to be given, so Jack Grealish was booked. It stands to reason that that, that is good, right? You know, that makes sense. Jack Grealish, they could only review the penalty. There was no penalty. You just you duck, you 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 book the player who was trying to earn a penalty. The problem, guys, is Jack Grealish wasn't trying to earn a penalty and went down naturally as a result of his momentum. Well, this is the thing. If it's not a penalty, then it's not a dive. I mean, sorry. If it's yeah, that's that's right, right? If it's not a penalty, it's, it's, it's not it's, a dive. You can see why it makes sense because Jack Grealish went down and they reviewed it because it's a is it a penalty or not? It's not a penalty, so they booked Grealish. The problem is no one was winning one. There was there was no question. It's not a penalty, but it's not a dive either. He's not looking for it. It's a natural collision. No one asked for a penalty. Jack Grealish did not ask for a penalty. That he there was not. If you look at the replays, there was no sense of appeal from Grealish. All he was doing was watching the ball go out to Henry Lansbury. Who buried it? This is especially infuriating because Henry Lansbury scores and people are saying, this is an argument against it. People are saying the whistle was blown before the ball went into the goal. It was blown as the ball was going into the goal. The play hadn't stopped. Palace kept defending. Lansbury beat the offside. He scored. As the ball is trickling through the line, the whistle's blown. Why has he done that? This is what I don't get, right? Kevin Friend watches the Grealish incident. He's he's behind there, by the way, right? I don't think from that angle he can make a he can make a solid judgment that that Grealish has dived. That's not what you generally do in these situations. If you can't if you can't make a decision, and look, VAR had to had to look hard at that, and it does not look like a dive, right? I I don't understand how he can straight up kind of get his yellow card out and booking. But what referees usually do in these situations is just let the play go on. Just let the play yeah, go he on. He stopped. He stopped the goal. He removed the goal. And Cole, I am especially infuriated by this because I feel that the the man who has supposedly got the authority to act in the pitch has decided to use it in a, in a rather cruel manner. Like Villa have scored and he's saying, basically, that's not good enough for me. Oh, it's... That doesn't contradict... That contradicts the way I foresee the game. That contradicts the way this game has gone, so I don't want it happening. That's what I feel like. It's crazy, because, like, like you guys gave great analysis on it, but you also have to look at it from this aspect, too. So you had Zaha, Zaha hacking at, like, his left leg, and then you have Gary Cahill in front of him. Where else is he going to go butt down? Because Cahill is literally embracing for impact. The other thing of that too, he's playing the ball. What and when you see players dive anywhere in the world, 
do they continue to try to play the ball to an, to another teammate? No. Like, come on. Like, that's just – it almost it, – honestly, it. I know it's not because I highly doubt it, but it almost like he had a – like Kevin Friend had a vendetta against Grealish. That's what it honestly makes it look like. It's like I've had – I've had, yeah. It's almost like I've been fed up with you today. Here's a card for almost like nothing. Like the thing is, if you're if you're if you're somebody who doesn't watch a lot of football, um, but for some reason understands the rules of the game, you're you're scratching your head there, thinking, I just, I just don't I just don't get it, man. I don't, I've never I've never I've never seen such a blatant sort of act of and look, I, I it's not it's not a case of bias. It's it's a case of like for some reason in 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 his head, it, it almost seemed as though, um. It almost seemed as though this has got to be a Palace decision. There's no way that Jack Grealish, you know, actually played the ball through and and, and put in a put in a decent assist. Because on what planet? On let, let's just you know cut this with a knife for a second. On what planet is that a dive? On what planet is that not a goal? And I, I tell you what, nobody nobody disagrees with this with that analysis of of what of what just happened by the looks of it. Apart from people who just don't like Villa, I'm quote. I'm going to quote Roy Hodgson here because he literally said he's very grateful um, when I'm reading this that the goal was disallowed. He literally says, "Lucky for us, the referee has made his decision before the ball had gone in the net, and that was to give us the free kick." Like the opposition manager knows that it wasn't a foul, or knows that it was a foul, not a dive, whatever you want to call. It. Uh, like, what more does he want? <laughs> like. I think everyone knows in the Palace side because Jordan Ayew seemed to know when he was consoling Jack Grealish, the Crystal Palace players weren't argue, weren't like furiously arguing against the goal or pointing out that Grealish dived. Everyone knew it was a goal. It's look, there are some there are some circumstances where there's people at the game and it looks like Grealish has dived or it looks like there's soft contact and you can make the bias in your head. You're going to have the bias there as a Palace fan, right? You're going to look at it from the stands and you're going to be amped by the atmosphere and Grealish definitely dived to you. That's fair enough, but on reflection of the game state, Villa had a goal taken away from him for no reason, Danny. No, it was for no reason. Uh, that's what. That's why I'm. That's why I'm infuriated. I, I don't think any other Premier League. I don't think any other Premier League referee makes that decision. I, I think. I think. What What worries me as well, even more, is that is that VAR doesn't fix that, doesn't sort that situation out for whatever reason. Exactly. Why Why not? Because they involved they involved VAR, right? And VAR said. Yeah, it's not a penalty, so book Grealish. And that again, that is fair. You get it. You get why he's been booked because there's no penalty. So you have to book the player who's tried to earn the penalty. But wipe it out. There's no one's asking for the fucking penalty. No one cares about the penalty. That that's the the most yeah, but, the thing that angers me the most is people are going on about this penalty, 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 penalty. No one wanted it because we scored. Yeah, and yeah, no one appealed. I know we're going in circles here, right? I mean, even then, right? That ball, if that ball bobbles off and it doesn't get to the lands remake, that's that's a stonewall penalty. So I'd like, I'm, just, I'm just giving my opinion. Like it is a stonewall penalty. Oh, by the way, that one of the one of the other incidents which annoyed me before that, and you know, this is just it's just a, again, it's just a reflection of how this game felt like to, to Villa fans, right? All of us, I think most of us, sat there throughout that game just thinking, yeah, not going to happen. We're just not going to get a point over here. Um, and you should never have to feel that about about a refereeing team, because I you you, you again I I, I gotta be so careful. You can't make accusations, right? And you can't 
You can't talk about somebody's character because we don't. You just don't know, right? And and on that, by the way, any Villa fans who who were saying disgraceful things towards Kevin Friend after the game, um, shame on you. You just don't say Preach. those things. Yeah, that, right. That's worse, by the way. That is worse than what happened. It's yeah, making it is. a death threat against someone. It's football. It's football. We're all annoyed, but like making the death threats is just the Kevin Friend's a guy. He may have his biases. He may be wrong. He had a bad day on the job, clearly. Um, but making death threats is just completely. Like, Beyond the pain. Yeah, might just had a bad game. Some, sometimes your perceptions are just are just clouded. It is what it is. You might think that you've got a. Like, I mean, can I just just to kind of like just rationalize this a little bit? Um, and I know I'm totally going away from the original point I was going to make, but like, let me just rationalize it just so just just so you can understand where I'm coming from. And if if I could if I could just defend Kevin Friend just a little bit, right? You're watching a Premier League team at home, an established Premier League team. They're coming up against a newly promoted championship side obviously in your head you might have it that yeah they're going to try and rough this up they might they're going to try and you know play a little bit dirty so they can get a point it's it's a it's a decent perception to have um coming into a game so that's one of those things that might affect those kinds of things but anyway going back going back to it one of the decisions that was made before before that uh that goal that should have stood went in was that freddie gilbert was pushed over right in front of a linesman right in front of a linesman and it was and it was very very obvious um from from andros townsend andros townsend knows what he's done and you know he's he's kind of stood there waiting for the free kick to be given to villa gets given a throw in thumbs up the, the linesman nods his head like yeah well done lads and it, it, it you could almost see from the players uh from the players on the pitch that they they, they just knew that they were going to get away with anything. It's one of those things that it happened to us, so we're going to moan about it. Palace fans, other football fans are going to say we're upset and haha, it's funny, but if it happens to them, they're doing the exact same thing. Um, I think the question I want to pose to either of you guys, and this isn't speaking to Kevin Friend as a person, just in a professional manager or manner, um, does he, it, will he be the main referee in the next, next, game week like can that happen look they're gonna try and stick by him and fair enough like the you the referee union has to stick around it's 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 members because they're always under fire but kevin friend made a massive mistake and that premier league level of refereeing should not be accessible to him for at least a week because there's got to be some kind of consequence you cannot you cannot do that in a game because there is no compensation for a team that is that is that loses out to a, a, a manual decision. Um, like, that is someone going. You can't score. There you go. Boy, you've got the goal taken off you. By the way, you've lost a point and uh, Crystal Palace, who may end up being relegation rivals. It doesn't seem like that because they're a good team, but they may end up down the bottom of the Premier League table when Villa are as well. That's a six pointer potential six pointer. Sorry, that like Kevin Friends decided. So there has to be a consequence for that, Danny. Look, I mean. Uh, it's not my decision. To, it's not you know my place to say, right? And I, I, I don't think it's anybody's place to say, apart from um, whoever is in charge of those things. But I think that you know, in hindsight, it was a bad error. But these things do happen. Referees do make bad errors. What I think you know should be done, as as with anybody in, in any job, is you know it should be. It needs to be reviewed. It needs to be looked at, and. Um, you know he needs to be he needs to be asked what why he why he came to that decision um and i guess i don't know what the consensus is amongst other referees i don't know whether we're looking at this from the perspective perspective of supporters everything's happened everything happens so fast 
Um, do you see an incident blow your whistle straight away? Is that something that you're supposed to do? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because simulation, again, like, it's such a new thing. I don't I, like it. And it's, it's not a new thing. I think, I think players getting booked for it and getting punished for it um, in the last few years is, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things which has only recently sort of um, started happening more and more often. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to kind of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stick up for him to, to some, to some degree as, as unhappy that's, as I was. That's right. Because you're a good human being, Danny. Like you would try and be rational about it instead of making like a death threat or, or something. But I guess we're all kind of, this is acting as therapy these last 10 minutes or so, I guess, Cole. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to change our focus here for two seconds because I can't, I saw like three tweets about this today. I can't believe this is already a thing. You have people literally screenshotting and saying that we're 18th, we're in the relegation zone, and they're already panicking. Like, we're literally a point off of 12th and two points off of 8th. Like, why are people already panicking that much? It just drives me insane, like, the amount of negativity already. Because we've went in the relegation zone for one week, or or I guess a couple weeks until the next game, and that's their focus? Like, come on, like, give your head a shake. I mean, we could be Watford. Yeah. Like, it could yeah, be Watford. That's right. We could be Watford. Like, you could be a club where you foresee a way out of this, and Villa and now will forge the mentality that the whole world is against them, including the refs. And that's a very good mentality yeah. to have because that is, a, that is the type of mentality that makes an awful team perform well because Newcastle have it now. Newcastle, Steve Bruce, has been able to engineer a mentality where the whole world is against us, they're laughing at us, they're making up articles about us. Go out there and show me wrong. Yeah, that will save you. That will save you for a season. Channel it, and that will save awful teams. Yeah, exactly. Villa, Villa aren't a bad team, Danny, so they can channel this. Didn't, don't you think this is the exact same thing that happened to Leicester when they when they saved themselves from relegation? So much bad press coming out around that time, wasn't there? Yeah, I feel the same. I think you you, you channel it. You make yourself a better t- better team. Um, that's really all you can do. I think Villa have to go and look positively towards the future. Um, a final thing to speak about on that game is Engels fighting the cops. Did you see this? That was crazy. There was a bit of a incident at the end. I think rumour is that a steward hit a Villa fan. Um, some say it was a, a, a male. Some say it was a female. Regardless, a steward apparently hit a, a Villa fan. Loads of Villa fans lashed out. So the cops, the the armed police came in and there was a video of one getting quite aggressive with someone. We don't want to make any judgments about it, of course. Um, but it looks like a Villa fan got hurt. Um, Bjorn Engels, the Villa centre-back, strode in to this fight, this skirmish, and put his hands on the police officer and uh, try to try to resolve it that way. I don't know the end game of this. He wasn't trying to fight him. <laughs> he wasn't trying to fight him. But he, 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 he grabbed him. Like, and what I'm what I'm trying the point I'm trying to make here is, if you grab a police officer right and you're a Villa fan in that crowd, you're you're going to jail. Look, I think like you're getting canned. This needs to be a reminder, though, doesn't it? Like, let's let you know these football matches. These things shouldn't be happening. Right, we don't we don't know what happened. We don't know the incident. Um, we don't we don't know. Uh, all we can really go off is is the witness witnesses from you know people people who were there, and that's you know again. I think like it's just a reminder that if if something happens at a football match, if you're unhappy, and a police officer, you know, opens a conversation with you, or or, or another fan, just tone it down, walk away from it. I think that's that's just something to, to say. We don't need to see all the protests that um, that seem to be happening there. Um, yeah, you you don't win that fight. 
No. Look, there is absolutely no way you win that fight, Cole. No. Um, the one thing I did want to mention, I think it was, I always mess up his last name. Is it Johnny Gould or Gold? <laughs> Gold, like, Johnny Gold. Gold, Johnny Gold. Okay. Well, he has some golden yeah. stuff on his Twitter. Give him a follow if you haven't already. Um, obviously, it looks like he was in the away end. Um, and his tweet literally just said fans were confronted with some very heavy handed policing at the end of the game at Palace. I go to a fair few away matches, and Villa fans are numerous, proud, and good humor. This is totally unacceptable. Um, he's apparently talked to the club, and they're even concerned about this because, like, I'm literally watching this video back right now. and from what I can see, it doesn't really look like Villa fans are doing anything wrong. But but Cole, look, there's things you don't see off the camera. We we yeah, can't make that judgment. That's fair. Cannot that's fair. cannot. Look at how Bjorn Engels has been treated by these police officers that he's put hands on. And look at how the Villa fans are being treated by the police and they haven't put hands on them. I think that is you, you can see you can definitely see the distinction there because if a if a Villa fan in that crowd was to put their hands on a policeman in the manner of Bjorn Engels, like not threatening, like trying to sort this out. That'd be thrown in the back of a wagon, mate. Yeah, that's fair. Because like, if you look at it too, though, because like, clearly Angles has saw some, like, seen something wrong that he feels is unjust. So I'm not saying, um, and it's actually I'm glad Danny brought that up because we do miss things and people have to take note of that. Um, clearly, something he felt was wrong happened, and um, no football fan is a saint. Essentially, we all do something stupid once in a while. So something could have definitely happened. We don't know. But for him to get involved, I think that he, he goes in higher regard to all three of us and to every Villa fan. I think we all have to agree on that. So, yeah, let's finish on a, a positive note. Danny, I want a match ball for Villa versus Crystal Palace, if you can give one. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really difficult one, actually. Um, I will go with... I think Gilbert seemed to have a very good game. Um, all the defenders did really. I got. I think I got to give it to Heaton. I think he made some really strong saves throughout that throughout that game, and I just think that yeah, I think if things had gone slightly differently, he would have been hailed as the as the guy that got us the clean sheet. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Tom Heaton. Well, um, Liam Byrne, who is our young writer, the the guy, he's 14, man. What were you doing at 14? Um, messaging to the whole cast actually i want to know what you were doing at 14 because we've got a guy who is picking his man of the match in some style and he picked tom heaton as well danny it's very difficult to come to a judgment uh when you've got a team who have really had to stick in um and 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 re- we really didn't get to play very much football if, I, if i'm being totally honest and that was always going to be the case against crystal palace um you you always need to go with the guy who, who makes the biggest difference and it, and it was heaton that made the biggest difference because i i, I think that we there could have easily been a two or three nil game i think if he pulls off the saves that he did in the first half um, and we start the second half with 11 men and play through with 11 men. He could be the, he, he could be seen as the guy that, that, that made the big difference. Um, that I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to offend any of the outfield players. I don't want to say that they didn't have any, they didn't really have a good game, but I just think that, yeah, he, he was the major difference. Oh, Cole, your match ball, please. Um, Jeez, I'm going to go with Heaton as well. I think it has to say he was probably the best player on the pitch by far. Um, Kept us in in moments where we definitely could have conceded, definitely stabilizes that back four um, and beyond. And he gives us, like, there's a reason why he was called up to the England national team because he's quality and he gives us assurance and he is going to be someone when, no matter what happens this season, he has saved us points in some regard, and he has kept the goal difference down in some regard as well. So I'm going to have to go with him. I would give a third match ball to Tom Heaton, but I feel I'd, 
I'd be upset if I didn't mention Jack Grealish, who manufactured a game win, well, a game equalising move out of almost nowhere, and it was a cruelly took off him. And maybe public perception now changes because bad opinions against Grealish have been validated, and he at least at the the, the very least he deserves is a match ball from us. So I'll, I'll give him the match ball, and hopefully he has some new supporters as well, as well as the uh, the obvious silly idiotic critics that there will be but guys we're heading into an international break now um so any final thoughts on the uh the last few few weeks of action Um, yeah i i just thought uh before we even get into that maybe we should bring up the fantasy league uh i'll just (laughs) this is okay so i wanted to ignore it because i am in the 7500 halt fantasy league i am 345th This that is quite far down because I think there may be a thousand or so. I don't know, um, but they. I think there's there only is not much separating games. them. Oh, I'm reading a different league, and I'm <laughs> I'm even worse than that. There's only a point separating me, and I think the very bottom, oh, wow. and that's about sixty or seventy places. Sorted out. So I am doing awfully, and I thought I had a good team, but uh, Danny, you're a hundred and fourth. Hmm. I think Cole. 73rd? Yeah. yeah. Um, James, there's only 378 people, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to make his team not as bad as it was. <laughs> trying to put himself uh, in as a top half team. I had to call you up there. I'm sorry. I have not failed to get the average points every week, so what is going wrong? I'm doing everything right. I'm James. just underperforming expected goals. I'm a god team. There's 10-year-olds that play this game, man. They bring down the average. There's 10-year-olds. Oh, whatever. No, but it's true. (laughs) Don't don't go by the average, man. If you're hovering around, which I have, by the way, for the last few weeks after a really good start, if you're hovering around the average, you've had a bad week. Yeah. I think we need to give a shout out to, I think it's Bob Hartman right now that's in the lead as of, well, the points were updated last night. And I want to give a special mention to, is it Paul Brooks in third? Because he got 93. Actually, let's see. Let's update this. 97 points so far. That's a huge week. How do you even? How is it possible to do that? He has Aguero captain, Tielemans in it, uh, De Bruyne, Abraham, and he had Martin Kelly up at uh, in defense. So yeah, wow. those people, and he had Sebastian Haller as well. That's oh, that is so frustrating. That so, so many people are so good at this game, and I'm awful. <laughs> <laughs> You'll look as the season goes on, James. It's all good, guys. The international break's coming up forget what we feel about this season um we need to kind of take a palate cleanser and move on what are you going to do with all this spare time we're going to take the next week off (laughs) (laughs) does that sum up what we're going to do okay we'll watch some international football obviously um but i think um, i think more than that i think it's going to be netflix binge time isn't it i think Oh, actually, it's the last few, last few, last couple of weeks of summer as well, isn't it? Cole, um, this is your first kind of semester, I guess, on the uh, the whole cast. So I hope you've been enjoying it, and uh, I hope you enjoy your free time. You got a week off. Yeah, no, it's gonna be. I, I hate international breaks because uh, Canada is a crap international team. So there's uh, our best players like Hoylet, basically, um, Jonathan or David, bro, or Davies as well. Yeah, I, but like it's just. I, I watched the Gold Cup and the the I can't remember who we played, but it was brutal. So I don't have much hopes there. I'll probably watch some England stuff. That's always interesting. 
Um, but no, it'll be a nice, a nice week, I think, for everybody involved with Villa just to reset. Um, maybe watch some more Peaky Blinders people, get caught up on that because that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, Netflix, uh, if you're into the Netflix stuff, do that as well. Um, maybe more sleep. Um, and maybe some people need to go to an anger management class after that, to, after that result yesterday. So they have two weeks to do that. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I hope you, everyone listening has a good week. We can refresh, reset, and maybe enjoy a Tyrone Mings debut for the England international team. So, yeah, we'll see you in a few weeks when Aston Villa returns to Premier League action. So, from us all, goodbye. We'll see you later and up the villa. <laughs>